before the beginning, there was Mars and there was Unicorn. One, the incarnation of creation, the other, of destruction. For eons, Primus and Unicron battled. The balance of power shifting between them more times than could be counted. Only by creating the Thirteen, the original Primes who preceded me, was Primus finally able to defeat Unicron and cast him out. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Phantom 101. Now, I know we discussed going into the Lantern course, getting right back into it, but I still want to take a little bit of hiatus so it's not so boring, and I want to give some opportunities to other fandoms here. And today, I have my wife, Alex, who's agreed to help me. Hello. And uh, what she's gonna, we're going to be talking about a subject that's near and dear to our hearts, the Transformer series, specifically the original 13. And we'll get into them in a second. So Alex, thanks for joining me for today. So, what do we got? So, it kind of goes in hand in hand with the Transformers. We hear about these 13. And it kind of goes hand in hand that we can't discuss them without discussing the first two, Primus and Unicron. So why don't we start with Primus and Unicron? What do we know about them so far? So what we know about Unicron I believe it's Simon Furman, isn't it? Yes. Well, Alex, I'm, I'm not sure because I'm looking at this thing and I don't think it heard you quite well enough. So let me just repeat what you said just to make sure that everyone heard it. Okay. So you're saying Unicron showed up in uh-huh. the Transformers original movie, the, yep. the G1 franchise in 1986. Correct. And Primus didn't show up until two years later in 1988 in the Marvel Comics line. Alright, so that's pretty interesting. Primus, you know, first mentioned two years after Unicron, and both and both are giant planets, right? Both are just giant transformers. Yeah. Ooh, so close, so close, but I'm sorry you did not pass that quiz. Turns out they're not actually transformers. You're right. I mean, you're you're referring to the Unicron trilogy, right? Yeah. But going back to the G1, that's not what their original origin was. Hey, here's the thing. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> Neither were you. That's what I'm Yeah, but remember everything. I'm going to touch on this a bit more, but every bit of the series here, every series since the original G1 has added to the lore until what we've got now, what we just heard Optimus say. So. Could you tell us? I mean, I know you've done a little research. Like, what is you? What is the story between Primus and Unicron? What? What? What just is that?
makes sense. The younger brother's more protective, you know, kind of, you know, wants to protect life. The older brother, you know, wants to smash the younger brother's stuff. I mean, I don't have any brothers, but I do have sisters. Fair. Sisters are different. We're getting we're getting off hand here. Let, let, hey. Get back. Let's. Let, what about hey. the original story though? Did you find anything on that? Because I found one thing. But... So according to my notes, the first take on the myth was and you know, was reconnected by Unicorn. Do you mind if I take this? Because I actually found this in my notes too. Yeah, so here. Yeah. Let me let me just get my notes out here. Yeah. Uh, the first take on the myth was recounted by Unicron himself. Okay. Actually, so uh, it was in the 1988 comic that we mentioned Primus's first, you know, first appearance, and it's a UK story. So it was, I, I guess it was only out debuted in the UK, probably. So yeah, it's probably why a lot of fan bases of the fan base in America probably didn't know about it until later. Makes sense. A lot of them are overseas or in Sometimes it can, yeah. I mean, uh, Godzilla. Um, I mean, even the Unicron trilogy started over in Japan before it got here. Yeah. Cybertron was actually called Galaxy Force. Huh. I know. And I think that might have been a little bit better, but still a mouthful. It, yeah, it's a mouthful, and it's a audience. Armada, Energon, Cybertron. It just, it just it made it better. One word, simple. One word. Like a dog, like a book, like a ball. I'm sorry, I'm going off. Well, I mean, galaxy Force sounds almost Star Wars. And, and they didn't exactly have lightsabers in there. Either. It had the cyber keys, which was cool. And during the same time, they did have the Hasbro Star Wars crossover. The Transformers crossover. So we're getting off topic. Yeah. Just while we're on this, on that particular subject, who do you think would win? A Darth Vader Transformer that can turn into the Death Star versus Unicron. Who wins? I get it. I'm just waiting to hear. I want. I want to hear this just because I think it'd be funny. Vader has the Force control. You know what? Let's say yes, but Unicron has all his abilities as well. Maybe closer than him versus the Unicron versus Galactus, but I mean, what's the best character in Conan? Unfortunately, I don't have that. It's just off the top of my head. I feel like they'd be close. I mean, it's a it's the size of a moon, and we know that one of the moons orbiting Cybertron was Unicron in the Armada trilogy. How about this? You know what? We could also save it for a fu- uh, for another podcast for another day. All right. Well, getting back, as you said, to the topic at hand, the story from the UK was actually called "The Legacy of Unicron." All right. So, uh, where he, Unicron, was the primal force of evil and led an army of dark gods against his mortal enemy. Primus, Lord of the Light Gods, quotation marks. And at the dawn of time, Primus defeated Unicron 
by trapping both of their astral forms. See, here's why I said they weren't originally Transformers. This little note that I found. Turns out they were actually supposed to be kind of like astral beings. Like, so, uh, you know the Celestials and the Eternals? Remember? Yeah. Essentially that, but mostly like Doctor Strange. You know? So they, they had these forms and somehow Primus trapped Unicron and himself inside two metal asteroids. Now, Unicron being Unicron, he's he's going to show that that's not going to stop him. So he started collecting stuff using like some, some form of telekinesis and gravity or whatever to build his new body and make it into a planetoid. And then he can turn that into a robot mode. Therefore, uh, he, became, he started to transform. Primus did the same thing, but he prefers to stay in his planetoid body, prefer, preferring to uh, interact with the universe as a planet rather than as a, you know, actual being like Unicron can. Right. So he, Primus became Cybertron, and Unicron, he's just a floating planet out to eat other planets. Right. Agent of Chaos, yada yada, yada. You, you, you get the idea. And uh, with that, Primus then created the Transformer race, the, the species, giving them a bit of his essence, his spark, and leaving some of it in the Matrix leadership for the leaders to contact him, to talk to him if they need anything. And honestly, uh, I feel like that was the major story. I mean, I didn't, I found some references to Primus in uh, Beast Wars Transformers, but it never mentioned, I mean, it mentioned the Covenant of Primus and they said, by Primus, but really, it never said that he was an actual being or person. Unlike Unicron, who had been established at that point, it's, it's a not it's a it's a sequel series based off the original G One. So, um, and from there, we've had varying ideas: the Predacons, Autobots, Maximals, and Decepticons. But I believe um, we need to talk about the Armada series in 2002. Okay. All right. So uh, there we saw the resurgence of Unicron, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So it gave us the first modern interpretation of the mythos and appeared as brothers, and there was a lot of references to Oh, I, I remember a little bit about this reading. Uh, I I always heard Optimus by the Allspark in that series, and it caught me off guard. And it wasn't until the Allspark was actually seen in like the Transformers movies and Transformers anime that we knew that was a piece of Primus. Right. But I looked into it. Apparently, this was both Primus and Unicron's parent. That's what they call the Allspark. So it's like Odin, the Allfather. So. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot. They're really connecting a lot of stuff with their Marvel, you know, origins there. Even though Hasbro hasn't worked with Marvel, who knows how long. Right. So is that all we know so far, or like I know, I know it was talked about in the 2000. Wait, was it? No, the 2007 brought the All Spark in the Bayverse movies. What was Reginald uh, Fallen? What what? And with the phone, gotta look it up. 
a second. In the show, Anna John wasn't, didn't pick her fall through, and then they fought the Primus. Yeah, that's when Primus showed up, but, yeah. and plus, the favor showed up after Cybertron. Remember? But the Unicron trilogy introduced, and that's and that is Marvel. I mean, not Marvel. Sorry, sorry, not Marvel. That is Armada, Energon, and Cybertron. Each one, you know, fed the other, so to speak, until Cybertron, which, let's face it, that was like its whole separate thing. You know, honestly, if you watched that alone, you would have no idea that the other two series existed. I still will question on that one. It, it just, in, in the English, it did not add up. Uh, June 24th, 2009 is when Revenge of the Fall came out. Okay, so 2009, we got to see uh, The Fallen, which uh, actually, uh, can you see when The Fallen first debuted? I believe he showed up uh, somewhere in the arm when, uh, during the Armada timeline. I think he showed up around 2004 in the IDW comics. Can you? Check up on that while you got that for me. I just want to make sure I got my back straight because now I'm doubting myself a little bit. No, your job is to overthink. That is what you excel at. Then again, so do I, but what do I know? Actually, according to this podcast, I know a lot. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll get this information down. Okay, so now that we've gone through Primus and Unicron, we kind of have to actually get into the 13th year. So uh, we finally get to talk about our, our core subject here. You all okay over there playing a fun game on your phone now? <laughs> anyway, so. Alright, Alex. Uh, I know we talked before about the 13 primes. Uh, what, do you know, uh, can you name any of the 13? Primus. Uh, That's one. Megatron. Megatron is two, yeah. Uh, Microsoft. Three. Onyx, spelled with a Y, not an I. It's not the Pokemon, just to be clear. That's four. Uh, Victor Five. And, of course, the 13th. Which will get to the Yeah, the 13th. That's six primes. Yeah, you've already mentioned the primes. Solus. Solus, that's uh, number seven. Uh, Alpha Trion. Number eight. It's okay if you don't know the others. The others are kind of scattered throughout, but those are the ones actually we we talked about by name beforehand in our own private discussion. We almost had nine. We were pretty close. Anyway, so let's get into this. Uh, now, as I mentioned before, each series is added on to the mythos. Right. So originally. Uh, these guys were just originally the third, first 13 Transformers. They weren't primes by any means necessary. 
So, uh, and uh, I believe the fact that the third team was first mentioned in Transformers Armada in 2002, they had comics and added some story. You know, it's added some story outside the animated series. And uh, there were comics done by IDW that added even more. Uh, I believe if you read uh, The War Within Volume 2, circa 2003, you'll be introduced to the first herald of Unicron, the Fallen himself. And we'll get into that a little bit of who he is. I want to let our readers know. And uh, of course, the 1989 Marvel Comics line introduced Prima who apparently did wield the Star Saber back then. So, it, it's a whole it's a whole nother trip. And you mentioned before that the Matrix Elysium was actually the hilt. Uh, it was on the hilt, yes. Hill. Yep, it was an artifact. Uh, and it said that Prima was the first Matrix bearer. So, why don't we uh, go ahead and... I mean, of course, we also got Transformers Cybertron gave us Vector Prime. And, of course, we all love Vector his death really hit me hard. He was my, I gotta say, as much as I love Optimus and any of the other trans Autobots that showed up in Transformers Cybertron, Vector was honestly my favorite, and it hurt even more that he had to sacrifice himself to help their mission. I mean, they really cut into it. But I hate to spoil the series for anyone watching or who wants to watch it, but honestly, you gotta know what you're getting into. Because time will always exist, so will Vector Prime always exist. They'll never see him again. Right. So technically, he's not dead, but he, he just can't appear in that continuity anymore. He can't show up in that world. Right. And then there's, of course, Alpha Tryon, Optimus' mentor. You know? This is, you know, the big guy. This is the, uh, the scribe, the scholar of the crimes. Right. And he, he's, like, literally one of the original G1 creations. Like, he was there from the beginning, so they had some sort of plan. Honestly, if I get the chance to get that toy, I would. And I'd put him right next to Vector Prime in the collection. I'm not kidding. If they made 13 Primes, if they made literally the Primes in form, I would collect them and put them on our shelf. Uh, I believe Well, like, you wouldn't? Like, you would You would pass up the chance to collect Solus Prime. I mean, she's a badass. She wielded a big, big-ass hammer. It wasn't just for battle. It used to, it was used to create things. I mean, she's like the engineer of the group. You can relate to that. You've got an engineering degree. <laughs> yeah. Having fun with your Optimus Prime, pop it. Just so in case you guys are wondering what that sound is, if you can even hear it, I'm not entirely sure. Who knows? And of course, we can't forget mentioning the Revenge of the Fallen, which. <laughs> Thank you. Put your name, Optimus. The last of the primes. And that there were multiple primes. These were the original creations of the Allspark. So, my question is in the Revenge of the Fallen movie, whenever Sam has that vision or whatever, when he tries to get the Matrix. Honestly, it could be any of them. They never disclose that information. But honestly, if you count, there's not 13 of them. I know there's not 13 of them, but do we know which one? <laughs> and it needs to be said here 
<coughs> Sorry, I am. <sighs> I am sneezing a lot. My allergies are getting, are getting to me. I'm, I apologize, listeners. It cannot be fun hearing me sneeze. Must sound like someone like the big bad wolf. I'll up and I'll up and I'll blow the roof off this house. Please don't. <laughs> All right. Well, but uh, to answer your question, no one's really certain, but you can guess who would be there. My guess would probably be maybe Vector Prime, Alpha Trion, perhaps, perhaps Solus, and and. I, I have to mention this. I feel like I should mention this because of uh, the possibility someone who may be somewhat familiar with the series may think Sentinel Prime or Rodimus Prime. You know, Sentinel was the Prime. He wasn't even a true Prime. You know, and uh, so, you know, he wasn't a true Prime anyway. He didn't have the Matrix. Yeah, but technically you could say the same thing for Optimus in the series. He didn't have the Matrix either. Not until that movie. The Matrix was on Earth this entire time. So they made Prime more of a biological leader. You know? So Sentinel Prime in that series was totally different. You know? But, and to the main core, to be a true Prime, to be truly worthy of that name, you must bear the Matrix leadership. Which, as we all know from continuity, Optimus actually does. He bears it, and he holds that responsibility greatly. I mean, it's what makes him Optimus Prime. What does the name Optimus mean? I have to look up a little bit on that one, but if I'm not mistaken, Optimus is more efficient. He's, he, uh, for some reason, I feel like it would mean Primer Prime. Because they had this whole argument in Animated, and Sentinel was trying to make the point that he was the Primer Prime. That's what Optimus means? Yep. What does Prime mean? Oh, put in Primer Prime. <laughs> it also means um, that means that like optimal comes from the Latin Optimus means that Prime also has the meaning of the best individual. So the same literally means So what is Sentinel? The best the best guardian? Uh, Let's just face it, anime is Sentinel. Don't get me wrong, the voice actors, I'm I'm not hating on any of the actors who play the characters. I'm just hating on the actual character himself. Just, I I, I swore I would never hate on a fandom. But let's just face it, there are some characters that just get under your skin, or under your skin plate at this point. And Sentinel, the Navy chin, let's call him. You know, because... And if you're familiar with very fairly odd parents, you know the character Crimson Chin. And uh, let's just face it, Sentinel has that big chin. Honestly, I like to deck him in that. You know? Just punch him right in his stupid face. <laughs> Alright, but getting we're getting off topic. We're on there. So back to the original 13. And uh, well, I have to mention Rodimus too. Rodimus came after Optimus, and that was after the Matrix had been passed. So he does not count as anything predating Optimus. And jumping back into this lore here, let's go ahead and list the 13 primes, and then I'll read a little bit here on them. 
right? The covenant. And I, I honestly want to get your reactions on this because who, of how their characters sound. All right, so let, let's get into who we're talking about here. We got the we got Primo, the leader, the first mate, the first matrix bearer, the leader of the group, essentially. You got Vector Prime, keeper of space and time. You know, the interdimensional traveler. Honestly, if I, if I had to pick my favorite one, like, other than Optimus, I think it would be him. Oh, yeah, I agree. But n- nothing against Prima, who wields the Star Saber, but we know Optimus got to wield it, too. Yeah. <laughs> then there's Alpha Trion, who's the scholar of the group. You okay there? Okay. You got Solus Prime. She's the engineer, the weapons forger, badass female, queen, you know, queen shit level. <laughs> Literally, at this point, because Prime is a leader, she technically would be considered a queen, if you think about it. Yeah. Uh, my Cronus Prime, the first Minicon. Literally, don't judge him just because he makes a smaller footprint. He can still pack a wallop. Uh, Alchemist Prime. He is the most in tune with nature. He is the elemental. I guess some kind of scientist. I guess he developed the Energon. I, I'm just guessing. I, I haven't gotten into his profile yet, so we'll, we'll get into that in Covenant Prime, so I've got right here. Then you've got Alt. Oh, I already did Alchemist. Uh, Nexus Prime, the first combiner. So, wait, 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 wait. If he's a combiner, that means other Transformers make him up. So, does that mean the first, you know, the, the 13 should technically be the 18? Or how many make up, you know, Nexus if it's like 6 or 5? The Enigma combination, yes, you're right, he does. It, that's actually his artifact. It allows him to combine. Then you've got Onyx Prime. And hold on, let me check on this before I clarify. Because I think she's a female, but I could be wrong. Oh look, there's Unicron. No, Onyx is actually a male. Onyx Prime's a male. Okay. Very interesting. But yeah, Onyx Prime Onyx Prime is a male. Honestly, I thought it was a female. I heard read somewhere and I always had that story in my mind, thinking there was more than one female on the team. Either way, still a badass character. Amalgamous Prime. This is the first ever Transformer. Literally in the sense that he was the first to learn how to transform. And then everyone else learned from him. There was Quintus Prime, and I know we mentioned this earlier, yes, this is Alpha Q's race, the Quintessons. Basically, this is where he started. Uh, I, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, again, I got, I have to yet to read the full Covenant of Primus. I just read mostly about the 13 themselves. There is more story in this for the Transformers than even I can handle. But I got some parts in here in my research on it that you need to know. And that's not just for you, the reader. I'm talking to my very special co-host. All right. Uh, Leech Maximo, the manipulator. I'll get into him later. But seriously, if you're looking for a comparison, a character from any comic or fiction this basically put Leech Maximo in comparison to it would be Loki 
then of course you got Megatronus himself. He's the soldier. He's you know eager to do what is needed to be done. Willing to kill. You know he's basically like he's the Raphael of the group. If you're if you're thinking TMNT, he is Raphael. Now you see why he's like that. And finally, we have the Thirteenth Prime. Now. You may be wondering, why am I referring to him as the 13th? Well, there's a section in here, I'll get into it later, that uh, the 13th, the 13th himself, requested his name be stricken from the record. There's a reason, and I'll read it later. I've got it, I've got it saved in here. I've got it saved for you. It's, it, it's important. It's part of the mystery, the revelation of the 13th. All right, but why don't we get into uh, reading the primes? Okay, so we're ready to start opening up on who we're going to read here. So why don't we start, I would read the foreword, but you know what, why don't we just uh, start reading from the Covenant of Primus on the very primes themselves. Let's start with Prima, he was the first made. Prima was the archetypal or archetypical hero. A warrior made closest to Primus' own type and intent, focused on the greater good. Such people can be dull, but Primus was clever and unselfish with a strong sense of self-awareness, so that even as he remained true to his principles, he was always able to stay one step away from... Pomposity? I guess being a pompous know-it-all, or perhaps? He cared for us all like the eldest brother of a large and unruly family. Taking too much upon his shoulders, perhaps, as Primus did, he was convinced he was both right and in the right all the time, which made him a frustrating person to deal with on occasion, but stood him in a in good stead when it came to a fight. His weapon was the Star Saber, a sword of an item type like the quill, whose form was symbolic of its power rather than the actual full limit of it. Its edge could cut between atoms with the accuracy of the finest tool, or sunder mountains. Which in Transformers Prime, we've seen Optimus literally cut a mountain into pieces. Yeah. And Megatron was like, oh crap. Yeah. And Megatron said, bleep it, I'm out. So, what do you think of Prime on here? I mean, he's kind of always considering himself in the right. I'd like to see some self-doubt. What happens if he suffers self-doubt like Leonardo? You know, because he, he strikes me like Leonardo of the group. So that means Megatronus is like Raphael, which begs the question, who is the Mikey and who is the Don? Well, Solus would probably be the Donnie of the group. But if we're talking studious, I gotta say Alpha Trion maybe. Why are we comparing TMNT now? Uh, I don't know. You're the one that... I know, I started it, but it's like, why? I... <laughs> uh, Alright, moving on to Vector Prime. Vector Prime's second on this list. Alright. Vector was a serious, stoic personality in a very narrow view of correctness. Primus was always right, and by extension, as a creation of Primus, Vector himself could not be in the wrong. 
Like Prima, he was close to the maker. His sense of balance and order was unsurpassed, and just as well for his power lay in the manipulation of time and space. He was able to create and to prevent paradoxes as it suited him, to distort or to mend the fabric of our physical reality. He carried many weapons in battle, including a sword and a staff, but his personal artifact of power was the Blades of Time. This, in spite of its name, was not a weapon but a mandala made up of many separate pieces, which could fit together in, near, in a nearly infinite variety of ways. Depending on the pattern formed, it granted him access to hidden dimensions through which he could move at will and in which he performed his intricate weavings and unravelings. Alpha Trion. Now, it's important to note, I'm going to note here in the Covenant, it is read as if Alpha Trion is writing this. And uh, so that's what's giving us this insight into the Transformers universe is just a Transformer. Well, someone posing as the Transformer, I should say. I, Alpha Trion, was made to be the historian of the Primes and the memory of Primus, in case Primus was ever recalled to life. It was my nature to be detached, although I don't believe I was uncaring. I took a philosophical attitude and an analytic appreciation of others and their need and their deeds. I was gifted with two artifacts, the Covenant, which I'm holding, which truly came from and belonged to Primus himself, in which much was written by Primus's will, and the quill with which I wrote my own observations. Unlike all other primes and subsequent beings of the same lineage, I was given total recall and a direct link to the spark of Primus, through which I was sustained and inspired during times when the accumulated knowledge and awareness of events would have been otherwise intolerable. So I'm guessing because he's got a direct link, like this is like talking to Primus, second best at talking to Primus himself. Here we go, here's your girl. Solus Prime, the creator. Solus was a calm and confident person who was beloved by all other Primes, both for her positive and intelligent support as a friend and also for her ability to create instruments and objects of any kind, something she would readily do for any Prime who asked her. However, she had a fierce temper and was easily angered by anything that smacked of, of injustice as Prime and Infector before her. Her personal artifact was the Forge, a hammer in appearance. She used this together with the Creation Lane, a holographic projection that her body created in three dimensions around her wherever she was working. It was the, an intuitive and sensory ability that manifested visually this way to help her design the specific architecture and engineering components of the object she was working on. On its own, the Forge is a poor instrument able to create, to mend, to smash, to, to smash to oblivion, whatever it touched. Rather, it was the late and Solus herself who supplied the vision and the labor behind its actions. When Solus created an entire armor set with a single swing of the mighty device, there were stellar cycles of thought refined and tempered to absolute precision in its arc and end strike. The meaning she was able to make a suit of armor for a Transformer, for a Prime, 
in one swing of that mighty hammer of hers. But it took that much calculation and precision to do so. It's like, it's not just the forge. Because we've seen the forge repair the Star Saber. It, it depends on the wielder, too. I note at this point, for those of you who may be curious, the Primes, and later the Transformers, do not have gender in the same way that humans and certain other biological species do. Here, Solus Prime and those who were later formed in her lineage are referred to as she in order to comply with your human gender reference terms and to show a distinction that Cybertronians recognize among themselves, though other races do not. To Cybertronians, there are two distinctive kinds that we easily divide ourselves into. Recognize key feature differences in the manner in which information is processed. It is, wow, reading this out loud today, it seems like, you know, a certain amount of the community would not like it. But yet, it's true. We knew it then, we know it now, but we're, some people are just choosing not to. I'm sorry, I promise I wouldn't get to it again, but that, that just irritates me. I mean, seriously, just let live and let live and let live. Don't shove it down all I know, but I just, you know, I just had to get that. Alright, Micronus Prime. Micronus was tiny in comparison to the rest. Fast, volatile, and containing more energy packed inside him than four of the others put together. What he lacked in scale, he more than made up for with his mind always coming up with a sensible suggestion or clever plan. Are we saying Micronus is Donnie? I'm already seeing two already here. Three, sorry. Three. Micronus, Solus, and Alpha Trion are the closest to Donatello. Why are we saying this? I don't know. I'm just doing it as a way to compare for our listener. Like, if, they are, if they're familiar with the Ninja Turtles, they'll know like what we're talking about. There are four turtles there. There are 13 primes to deal with here. You gotta group them some way to know their personality. Anyway, where was I? He was a watchful observer, too, so he often knew what was going on with the others even before they did. Primus intended him to be the conscience of the rest, and he took his role seriously. His innocent nature made him an immediate friend of Solus and those like her, though the early primes were too somber for his taste. I guess he didn't care for the other primes much. At war, he had an amazing ability to connect with other primes and boost their power output for incredible feats of strength and endurance. Why does this sound familiar? Alright, transform and combine! He literally power linked! With his allegiance, they were never outgunned. He had his own artifact too, the Chimera Stone. This enabled him to connect with the other primes and to direct his energy in the form that suited them. He was also able to mimic their abilities for a while after the Chimera Stone had bonded him to them. Alright, here we go. Alchemist Prime. Alchemist was one of the more mystical primes. An elemental being who perceived the world in terms of its basic forms, spiritual or material, and who was attuned to its cycles. He was much more intuitive than intellectual, although he lacked no intelligence. As with all the rest, 
he was capable of handling himself in a fight, but he preferred to immerse himself in the natural world to better understand the mechanisms of, ch of change. And his ability to transmute metals and tempor temporarily alter the properties of objects. He seems more akin to a magician than a battle master. He had a gentle spirit that led him to be sympathetic to all the rest. Still waters run deep, as the humans say. I was his closest friend. Our joint scholarly approaches provided us with endless debate. His ability to always see another side to it, any story was aided by his artifact, the lenses, as these were a part of his optics, an integral part of his being. An integral part of his being. Sorry, I messed up there. They were not something anyone else could ever hope to use. So, Alchemist literally had glasses in front of his eyes. Something you could do greatly. I could too. Once. Alrighty. Here's, here we go. Nexus Prime. This one I wanted to see. Let's see if... Yeah, he looks like he's a combiner. Like Alchemist and the others of the middle strata, where Primus and Unicron's energies were most balanced, Nexus had an elemental quality, but in him it was as if elements circulated constantly in an exciting nature, broaching chaos but never tipping into it, with Nexus riding the edge of the wave front a daredevil free spirit. The mercurial elusiveness was reflected in his face, which changed constantly, not only in reaction to his feelings, but apparently just because moving form as was something it had to do. Although later legend would say that Nexus was chopped into bits, the fact is he was the first combiner. Made as a single being, he could readily drop into five separate parts. So he's like Devastator, or uh, Superion, you know, like Superion Maximus, you would know him as, you know, Constructicon Maximus, Brutus Maximus, Superion Maximus from Energon? Okay. Now you got it. Okay, so he's like that, he's like that. The Constructicons. Okay, is that better for you? For those who don't know, uh, combiners are a big thing in Transformers. They are basically beings that are made up of five or more other different Transformers. And I'm still not sure whether those original Transformers are either a part of the big guy's personality or not. But considering Constructicons are all engineers and scientists and Devastators more brute strength, I'm going to say they are their own separate thing. Alright, moving on. Uh, let's see, where was I? These bot. Oh, here we go. Uh, readily drop into five separate parts, each with its own body and personality. Okay, that answered that. Even after spending cycles apart on different projects, these bots would reunite happily and become Nexus once again without any loss or struggle. He was their sum, and they were joyously fragments. All sufficient unto themselves. Change and recombination what were his nature. Although he was a, at heart loyal to Primus, 
and had no time for the deeper darknesses of some of his other brethren. His artifact is the, was the enigma of combination. It is not possible to say what it looked like as it could look like anything, weapon, jewel, body part, but its power was already manifest in all that he did. All right, uh, do you need to go get something to eat? Yeah. All right, you can go ahead. I'll finish up here. Let her leave quietly, and then I'll get back to it. Join us when you're done. Alrighty, back to it. Onyx Prime. Where Alchemist was the most in tune with nature in the form of elements, Onyx was more like a beast. He was capable of traveling in spirit across time or space thanks to his artifact, the Tri... Titch mask? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's what it is. The three faces of the mask allowed him to freely access his own subconscious and the roots of living awareness in all creatures. He shared vision with beings he could never meet across distances he could never travel, gaining knowledge from other ways of being so alien that the rest of us would not even recognize them. This ability made him seem powerful and a little frightening at times, and his alpha nature made him play this up. The first mask at the top of the totems was named Farsight. This opened visions into other places and times. Many real, some unreal, he knew the difference, but nobody else who tried to see through it could tell what was truth and what was some distant creature's dream. The second mask, in the center of the column was Predator. This gave him immediate insight into any creature so that he could hunt it flawlessly. Or faultlessly. Faultlessly, sorry. The third mask was the strange undead face of Mornsong. It was alive and vigorous on the back, but cold and empty on the front. <coughs> sorry. Whew. and gave visions that only Onyx was able to comprehend. He repo reported faithfully, watching me write it down, that Mornsong shows the journey of a spark across the hidden reaches of death. Onyx was the only prime so powerfully attuned to spirit, he, some considered him illogical and fanciful. But there was a burning, friendly loyalty about Onyx that simply made him good to be around. He was inspiring, and for that, he was unique in being the friend of all crimes. And judging from the image I'm seeing here, he had wings that look like a bird. He has like a bird-like head, and he's kind of got these backwards uh, hands, or a feet, or legs, like much like how a bird is. So again, Onyx is probably the first prime to have a beast mode. Alright, Amalgamous. <laughs> I may have called the Mike Michelangelo one too soon. Whew. Sorry, my nose is just not working with me today. Amalgamous was the joker of the pack, though never cruelly so. His gentle fun poking was great light relief 
even as it's pushed at the comfort zones of the others. The more serious sometimes taking it badly. His artifact was a sight, although you would hardly know it was. Like the rest of his body, it was in constant flux, transforming from one shape to another, one state to another, liquid to solid and back again. Bright and cheeky, Amalgamous was never still and given half a chance would be tinkering with anything to figure out how it worked, what, what it would do. He lacked the seriousness and focus of a true fighter, although his unpredictability was an asset sometimes. He was not the most forward-thinking or bright of the sparks among the primes, but he was gentle at heart. The archetypal, archetypical, archetypical shifter he never lingered where he wasn't welcome, but simply moved on, not taking anything personally, not holding grudges or remembering deeds. His memory slipped as easily as his shape, although it had an odd way of suddenly sharpening when something important happened. His artifact was the transformation cog, from which all later T cogs would be modeled. This is what allows the transformers. This is. The T-Cog is what allows a Transformer to scan a vehicle or a beast and later become it. And it's... And for the record, it's biology, not technology. So, uh... It's an organ all Transformers seem to have. Bully smell. Alright, moving on to Quintus Prime. Quintus was an innocent daydreamer with a strong tendency toward perfectionism and idealism. He constantly sought expression of his ideas and was driven to prove his theories correct by experimental invention. In this, he was often stymied by the less imaginative primes who had no time for his speculation, but he had a mind second to none and was unwilling to let it fallow just for the sake of peace and quiet. He believed overwhelmingly that life was the most important, sacred thing to be encouraged to flourish at all costs and in all varieties to enrich the universe. His unique power was embodied by the Ember Stone, an object akin to Primus' spark, which was able to see the explosion of living processes and base elements. Huh, very interesting. And looking at him, he does look like a Quintesson. But... He's got more of a ring around him, so I guess this is where Quintessons evolved from. And this is not Quintessa. This is a whole different thing. this next prime. His name is Liege Maximo. (coughs) 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 
Man, someone's got me mentioning my name a lot. Maximo was the talker, the manipulative one who could bend words and thoughts much more easily than metal. His silver tongue was capable of the most eloquent charm, and he soon learned how to pitch whatever line he was selling to the person in question, tailoring his language and methods to exactly match their desires or to feed their suspicions. He was often watchful and quiet, absorbing and calculating. He had a knack for instantly understanding where the nuts and bolts of a person were hidden, where their secret switches lay. He was made to triumph in schemes where outright conflict failed, or to avoid conflict by maneuvering in advance. His diplomacy was favored by a general likable quality that made his sympathy feel very genuine. And I believe that it was. He threw himself wholeheartedly into any role he thought would work, becoming instantly convincing to himself. The power these skills gave him over others, most of whom were naive at this point, was incalculably immense. The other primes were not ready for someone as many-faced as he could be. He realized this with characteristic speed and from the outset began crafting himself a hidden path to power, directly beneath the nose of Prima, who couldn't even imagine such plots. His artifact was the Legion Darts. There were, there were actual darts filled with toxins of all kinds, which he could deploy to disrupt others, but the real darts were his words and his thoughts. Their barbs and effects unsurpassed by any mere physical object. Again, this really, really seems like Loki to me. I mean, even the picture they're using in this book, he has like Loki's helmet and a cape on, and he's lightly colored green. This strikes me greatly as, you know, Loki. Ah, finally, Megatronus. A warrior in the mold of Prima, Megatronus was his dark antithesis. He was also the most complex of all the primes, caught between warring impulses of immense passion that never allowed him peace. His dedication to Primus was unswerving, but faced with Prime, Primus's nature on a daily basis and Primus' em emulation of it, he could not help but see himself as an outsider, forever damned by the very powers that gave him such terrifying strength. His ruthlessness, ambition, conviction, and ability to take any course of action gave him near limitless potential. At the same time, he felt these qualities earned him the disfavor of the other primes. He was too like Unicron. They turned their gaze away from his burning visage, confronted them. Oh, oh, sorry. They turned their gaze away when his burning visage confronted them. It haunted him. He had done nothing wrong, never did, and yet he felt he was unworthy. The injustice of it scored his spirit. It seemed that he took on the burdens of darkness at his own expense while the rest could feel assured of their rightness not having to soil their hands with grim compromises. He was too proud to recognize how vulnerable this left him, as he could never admit any weakness. He 
covered his fears with zealotry, even with those closest to him, Maximo, Solus, Micronus, and Onus. He could blow hot or cold depending on how his paranoia fared. He was unstable. His personal artifact was crafted for him later by Solus as, at his request and design. The Requiem Blaster was a weapon that drew on the burning core of, a di- of distant suns, casting beams that were of such intensity focused plasma that no material could survive their passage. And so we learn of the fall. And that is the truth, ladies and gentlemen, and listening at home. Megatronus is the true name of the following. This is what he was before he became Unicron's herald. Like it said, he was too much like Unicron. He felt an outsider to his own brethren, his own brothers and sisters. And no matter what, he was just too unstable. And finally, the 13th prime. 13 was unlike the other primes. His type was warrior, a physical adept with the leadership and intellectual fortitude of kings. Where Megatronus was riddled with contradiction, 13 had no such troubles and was perhaps as a result far lesser in ego than any of the other late primes. At this time of our making, he was quiet and dutiful, obedient to Primus' commands, and dedicated to assisting those who required him. He was like Primus II, but unlike the rest, he had no special object or weapon associated with him, taking up only those lesser tools crafted by Solus and his armor, as he was instructed. This would seem odd if we did not all know that his true purpose was a mediator and visionary. Thirteen was an inspirational speaker and a deep thinker with a calm soul. His steady, perceptive nature meant that he was well-liked, and he pulled his weight. He used to to comfort others in times of stress with a friendly hand on their shoulder and the words, All are one. There was a contented light in him that made us believe it. Even Megatronus could be calm this way when he came in from one of his great battle rages. Foaming with his own puissance and resentment, 13 united us. Without his influence, we would have fallen into disarray far sooner. Here ends the first entry in this covenant of Primus, the legacy of all knowledge about Cybertron and the beings that live thereon. And now, we continue the story. Next was the expulsion of the of Unicron. Uni- Unicron, of course, being expelled out by the by the combined might of all thirteen primes. Uh, let's see. There, I could read it all this, but there's a lot here in the story. Oh look, from Transformers Prime. And look who's leading the charge. Solus herself. 
There's Quintus. Prima is the Star Saber right here. Leech Maximo. I'm guessing that's next. No, wait. That might be um, that might be Alchemist. There's Micronus. You get the idea. And the War of the Primes. So it's no secret that, of course, the Fallen was. Uh, that, you know, Megatronus became the Fallen. He was a herald of Unicron. Right. Um, I just want to get to this just because I want to cover it. Uh, there's a page in here. Ah. Depicted in the image is opposite the death of Solus Prime at the hands of Megatronus. Literally blasted her with the weapon that she made for. I know, talk about a stab in the back, so to speak. Actually, the blast goes through her, so yeah. Honestly, she did not deserve that. And I want to go back and read why he betrayed them. But as I said by his character profile, he already felt like an outsider. Right. And more common, he literally in the Transformers lore, he's known as the first Decepticon. So literally, all Decepticons technically he started them. He started the entire group, though they didn't have that name at that point. Right. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Into the light. Wanted to cover this as uh, the fall of the primes and the revelation of the 13th prime. Uh, I propose the following 13 put in. As we have established so far, Onyx will enter the well and with his mask take the place of the late, creating the blueprints of those to come. He will survive there, close to the Allspark, sustained by the energy of Primus. Out the Trion, you must remain as you are to keep the records. Vector, you have agreed to watch over space and time anomalies. In particular, anything that might cause Unicron to recover. The rest of you are free to pursue your guardianship of your own powers any way you wish. I choose to under undertake the, the life of a new, ordinary bot. My prime abilities will be hidden, even from myself, so that I may live as one of them, and learn to know them that way. If you need me to return to the role of a prime, then you may await me as you see fit, but not for anything less than a a most dire crisis. It can be done, Alchemist said, already pondering the details of this new transmutation. The well itself has the capacity to remake you in this way, with Onyx acting as the designer. I shall not follow you. I have much I wish to learn in this form. Indeed, I have barely begun. Our new world will need neighbors one day, Quintus said. I shall travel far and experiment with bringing life ways in the hope that one day they will find allies abroad. 
I will stay and keep an eye on matters here, Lima said. Help Alpha Trion where I can and ensure there are no serious malfunctions. I will also remove the blaster to a place of concealment where none shall accidentally find it. I will also remain for a while at least, Amalgam said. I like the idea of new forms, and besides, there is still this computer to finish. I have some theories I'd like to test and that before I make new plans. I will also give the pattern of my TCOG to Onyx so that all the new Cybertronians will have the ability to take on alternate forms. Just the one at a time just one at a time though. He smiled. I'm not sure, Mike Cronus said. I'll think of something. Are you sure, 13? Yes, I am. 13 said I think he was looking forward to it. There was a trace of a smile on his face. It feels right. This is the most positive thing we can do. Nexus was last to speak. I think I'm going to make sure that the worst of our weapons and those other artifacts are well hidden away for a long, long time. After that, I'll return and do what I can to finish the project Sola started, especially the computer. Vector, I think before you retire to your observation post, you might install the quantum processor system you were planning. None of us are capable of making such a thing. Basically, uh, it says here that Reading this passage, it's stated that the 13 gave up his prime and wanted to walk among the regular transformers, live amongst them. Needless to say, the next thing's the Age of Evolution, and here is where uh, the Twilight of the Predacons. So basically, the prehistoric life of Cybertron. Indeed, but it's worth noting the Predacons as they are right here. Worth making and the age of origins. Moving forward to where I've saved space to my revelations is what this is all about. Oh, Sentinel. Look familiar? Yeah. Shockwave, Ultra Magnus is mentioned, so is Soundwave. Get the Soundwave to talk. Orion's War. Oh, take a look. No, Orion. And I'm trying to get there quick. It also mentioned Omega Supreme being defeated. So, oh, and of course, Sentinel trying to be the leader. Hard limits. The rust. Uh, the plague of rust. Oh, look, it's Ironhide. I don't know why I thought I like this one. Right? It combines the original with the movie version, especially. Alright, so. Uh, let's see. Prowl. Here's Soundwave. It's worth noting Orion was already a clerk and working underneath uh, Alpha Trion at the time. When it's mentioned. Let's see. On this note. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Page 118. Soundwave was right about us. Our bureaucracy had grown massive into a behemoth we had not noticed. His words and deeds troubled me greatly from that moment on, and I got no rest, thinking on them and feeling the justice at their core. I looked often in the, those months to Orion Pax, reading and filing, carefully recording. He even had, a pro, had to process the minutes of that fateful meeting 
I went to the covenant and opened it far back to the moment when he had made when we had made the well, so that I could relive the scene and hope to recapture the original flash of inspiration when there was when there were still primes, when we still took actions that mattered. Two facts stood out to me as I studied the text. The first one was that we had never specified exactly what sort of crisis would be sufficient to trigger 13's resurrection. Apparently, the cataclysm of the solar past in the Age of Evolution was not enough, and neither was the invasion of the Quintessons. Now, the worst calamity of all seemed to have gripped us, and still there was no sign of his arrival. The majority of Cybertronians only knew fragments of the Prime storyline, and what they put together was half nonsense these days, filled with fancies to make up for what was missing. Almost nobody considered anything but myth a handy tale to explain a past so deeply forgotten and incomprehensible that it required a dramatic fabrication to dull the force of its emptiness upon the imagination. So literally, they were, you know, it's this, that, so, you know, 13 could come back at any point. And finally, page 129. Oh, you know what? I'm going to read 127, or sorry, 126, because the next two pages are illustrations. The final break. The action that Sentinel and the Council finally took during their special session was that one that precipitated the Civil War. Orion, Pax, and Megatron were both present when Halogen made the address. The chamber itself, a vast room made of stylized shape of a spark. Made in the stylized shape of a spark, sorry with rotating arms and vast galleries reaching to the heights, was packed with as many Cybertronians as had been able to lever themselves into the space. Its usual echoing silences were filled with a constant the constant sursers of whispers, clinks, and rustles, which they still made even when trying their hardest to keep quiet. Allegen stood proudly at the podium, looking nervous, perhaps... Contrail at his shoulders, another, another. and the other council members arrayed toward the back. The matrix of leadership is on Cybertron, Halogen announced, summing up a long-winded preparation which had Orion Pax now realized. Led, led to this moment alone. Beside him, Megatron growled softly, be honest, it, it's more Megatron's character. Yeah. His patience checked only by the occasion and his conviction that something satisfying was about to take place. Orion Paxson knew well that the Matrix of Leadership was, although until just now he thought it part of a story from long ago, even though there were expeditions out in search of it all the time. Halogen continued, according to the archivist Alpha Trion, it may be found in these turbulent times, and the leader to whom it gifts its powers will be the Prime who will lead the Cybertronians through to a new age. Megatron twitched, the air still. Orion Pax, upon you we place the quest for the makers of leadership, Paladin said. From this moment forward, you are Optimus Prime. Orion Pax didn't hear the rest. He looked across the length of the hall to Alpha Trion, searching to see if he had known thinking he must have known this was going to happen. And at the same time, he had the strange sensation, like a memory, 
that he had been called this before. He knew he must do something to bridge the gap they had made between him and Megatron in this moment and turned to him. Brother, I did not see this. But Megatron was having nothing to do with it. He mocked Optimus openly, calling him a clerk and the new autocrat set to administer paperwork and bureaucracy in the same old stranglehold. Only Optimus was close enough to see the hurt that precipitated the backlash. Brothers no more, Megatron spat, and continued his tirade, declaring, You have betrayed the ideals you professed to be the first. Within moments, the entire chamber had erupted into a guns-drawn showdown. Supporters of both sides, bristling and eyeing each other, Decepticons and Autobots declaring themselves loudly in shouts that tried to drown each other out. The elite guard rushed forward, weapons trained on Megatron, but Optimus waved them down. In his own anger, when Megatron refused to see his side, he swore to oppose the Decepticons, and that was how they parted. The Decepticons were per permitted to leave freely, but that was the end of any friendship between Optimus Prime and Megatron. Only the look on Optimus's face, the crushing disappointment made me think twice as he watched them go. He was sad for Megatron. I could not say I wasn't. As I sat with the rest of the council and felt the burdens of the age leaving me, we were finished as a ruling entity. Sentinel Prime was grateful in the end, I think. To choose Megatron would have been to select his favored benevolent tyranny. Though Megatron was never benevolent unless surrounded by obedience, and he never saw the irony in that and how it clouded his ideals. He stalked from the meeting with his trimivirate of a patron and consolidated, a patron consolidated. His rivalry with Optimus Prime was foremost in his mind, but it was backed up strongly by Optimus's relation to Sentinel Zeta Prime, the figurehead at whose feet he laid all responsibility for the lengthy oppression of the Cybertronian people and who had, in his view, personally sentenced him from the first minute of his life to slavery in the mines. The final portion of his wrath was reserved for the Quintessons, for them should he ever meet them, and he planned to just as soon as Cybertron was settled. He was ready to provide an absolute and individually tailored hell. His loathing was comprehensive and more than energy enough to ignite his revolution. He ramped, up to, he ramped up to war in a spirit of unadulterated vengeance. Orion Pax, well, he was what he was. There was never any question about it, to whom the matrix of leadership would eventually fall. From the moment he leaped into the well, at the end of the first era, all those millions of stellar cycles ago, igniting it and beginning the entire Cybertronian dynasty, he had never consciously been aware of it for all his long, long life. But he was Optimus Prime. He was 13. Megatron's outrage would never be So there we have it. The 13th Prime was, in fact, Optimus Prime. And Orion has been alive for a very, very long time. And thus we end with that. And now the entire 13 is complete. So. What did you think? It was very good. So now we know who the 13th has been this entire time. Mm -hmm. The 
gave up his own prime hood. Wait, hold on. I gotta talk about the real world, real world principalities here of what religion this really comes close to. I know it, it. not everyone would agree with it, but it's undeniable the link that there is with certain parts of Christianity. The duality of, like, you know, a devil and a god, one all good, one all evil, even trying to prime it, right there. Mystical artifacts and, you know, and relics. I mean, have the church alone sell, sold relics. I mean, And one bot who died to save all the others to start everything. And being reborn and come again to save them again. I mean, it it fits. Oh, and let's not talk about the number. Let's let us not forget the number. Thirteen. Look at literally, look at um, Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper. Count how many people are in there in that painting. You know how many? Exactly. And who are those 13? Exactly. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. It, it, it's right there, and while I don't think they intended to make it like that, it has become very similar. I, I mean, only a fool would ignore it. And I think it's really kind of cool. You know, they're, they're basing this mythos on another religion mythos. You know, this is what Christians believe, and this and this is actually what we know, what fans know for certain has happened in the Transformers War because we watch it unfold over these years. Yeah. I don't think they necessarily based it on that. I think not intentionally. I don't believe intentionally they did. Right. Yeah, I don't think they did either, but it's happening. I know, but the story of good versus evil has always been <laughs> a, a constant. I mean, every story is about good versus evil. I mean, it's tales all the time. Literally, in this case. Literally, since mankind started telling stories, it's about a struggle, overcoming said struggle. Yeah. Now, that struggle has since be- become synonymous with, you know, overcoming evil, too. So, literally, I mean, another good example is literally Star Wars, the balance. Now, there's not 13 there. They were good enough. They were clever enough not to relate it to anything unintentionally or intentionally. But, you know, well, actually, no, not true. They do relate it to some... Asian teachings, but that's just, you know, some ori- uh, oriental beliefs and martial arts and other, you know, beliefs that are over there, Buddhism. But I think those are uh, pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pretty far-fetched at best. It's just a theory some fans have in there, and I can kind of see it, but it's not However, we're getting off topic here, but now we've completed the 13 crimes. So, next question is, what do we talk about next? <laughs> I mean... I feel like Optimus and Megatron deserve their own episode. You know, going through their history alone is incredible. Yeah, you want to do that? Sounds like a good idea. Sounds yeah. like a fun... Sounds like fun. Yeah. Alright, you research Optimus, or aka Orion Pax... I'll handle Megatron. Okay. And we'll put them both together. Okay. Oh, crap. That's basically the, the entire story right there. All right, well, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast on the 13 original crimes, as well as revealing who the 13th actually was.
So, I'm your host, Eric, and this has been Fandom 101. Enjoy the rest of what day, night, or whenever you're listening to this podcast. See y'all in the next one.